There's someone with a heartache. They face the season, the happy greetings with no joy in this holiday for all the broken here in this moment. Emmanuel, our God is with us. Yes, He is with us still. Emmanuel, He has not left us, and He never will. Emmanuel. Yes, he is with us still. Emmanuel, he has not left us, and he never will. Emmanuel, he has not left us, and he never will. Can you say amen? Man, that choir, stronger than a whale rope. Thank you. Y'all don't know what a whale rope is, do you? No, you don't. Would you turn with me, please, in your copy of the Word of God? Isn't it good that we have a copy of God's Word? Isn't it good that you got a Bible? I mean a Bible, one that's got pages in it, it's got a cover on it. Praise the Lord for cell phones and computers, but I like my Bible. Turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter number 1. Christmas must seem awfully strange to a world that is full of religion. According to Wikipedia, 
there are 9,990 different types of world religions. In Wikipedia's 9,990 count, they consider Christianity as a religion. I say that there are 9,989 world religions because Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is about a relationship. All these other world religions, their, their, their teachings are somewhat different, but they're basically the same because they teach this. <clears throat> in order to be in good standing with God, in order to have God's approval, it's all based on my behavior. I believe that my uh, 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 relationship with God is based on a man by the name of Jesus Christ. And that's not, not based on what I have done, but based on what he has done. Matthew chapter number one, we're going to read a very familiar passage, but it's good that we stop and we look at this in depth because we need to be reminded just how much God loves us. Verse 18 of chapter one says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary your Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. For this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Say this with me. Say Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel means God with us, and the name implies Jesus' deity. It implies that Jesus is, is God. It implies that, 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 that God is with us. Mary's virgin-born son would be God himself living among people. All these other world religions, all of their gods are dead. We believe this, and I believe this with all my heart. That Jesus Christ, God's only son, was born of a virgin, and I believe that he lived among people, and I believe he continues to live among his people today in the form of the Holy Spirit. Last, son, last Christmas, I preached a series of sermons called, God in a Bod, How Odd. For God to come and to live and be among his people, among people. Where, where people could actually see him, where they could actually know that he had flesh and blood. But the, what we need to discover is this. Why did God, why did God leave the friendly confines of heaven where the angels are shouting, holy, holy, holy. Why would he want to come and live? Why would he want to come and dwell among men? In life, we all have our struggles. Say amen. In life, we all have our struggles. 
This morning in our prayer time, as our praise team met together, one of the people in, their, uh, in our praise group spoke of a family struggle that's happening that just a couple of days they received word about there's cancer in the family. You know what? All of God's people, all of God's people have their struggles. The Bible teaches that every last one of us falls short in morality, honesty, and integrity. Now, this is just going to be just a little bit different, but I want you to watch this video. ...in the middle of Washington State, on a field inside a chain-linked fence, in a game fewer than a hundred people saw. A home run memorable not for the distance it traveled, or the game it decided, but for the meaning it carried. The last Saturday in April, the second game of a softball doubleheader between Central Washington and Western Oregon. Well, we were both neck and neck fighting for the conference championship. As a senior, this was Sarah Tukolsky's last chance to win a championship. She'd never hit a home run before, not in college, not in her life. A 5-2, I'm not very tall. Um, I'm more a line drive hitter. I don't hit for power. But in the top of the second inning, with two runners on, on the second pitch, that changed. I hit that pitch and it just went. (laughs) And we're just cheering and the runners are cheering as they round the base to head to home. And then I'm going, where's Sarah? In her excitement, Tukolsky failed to touch first base, so she quickly turned back. Her pivoting like just didn't pivot with her. And I heard her kind of yell, and she just dropped to the ground, and I was like, oh, no. Just fell immediately and was in a lot of pain. Just, You know, I tried to keep my legs straight, but I was in so much pain that I couldn't really keep still. Tukolsky, with a torn ACL, crawled back to first base. She was a long way from reaching home plate and keeping her first and only home run. When she got back to first base, she just, she laid there and she hugged on to first base. And then I, at that time, I was staring at the base and I go, what on earth are we going to do? And I turned the umpire standing right next to me. I said, what is the ruling if I put somebody in for Sarah? He said, it'll be a two-run single. If anybody would have on her team would have helped uh, Sarah, she would have been a called, called out. That was the problem. None of Tukolsky's teammates were allowed to touch her. That's when Central Washington's Mallory Holtman, a player with more home runs than any other in conference history, a player for the opposing team, spoke up. I went to the home plate umpire and asked if we could pick her up and carry her, and he looked at me a little strange. And the umpire went and said, yes, you can do that. I'm still standing there in shock. I don't, I said, thank you so much. We asked her, she's like, is it okay if we pick you up and carry you around the bases? And I say, yes, and you know, and say thank you. And she says, you hit the ball over the fence, you deserve it. For that reason only, because she deserved it, Holtman and Wallace began to carry the injured Tukolsky. 
stopping to touch her left foot on each base as the three made their way around the diamond. We actually started laughing because we were just wondering what this would look like to all the people in the stands. When I looked up, I, I didn't see, you know, giant like smiles and screams. I saw emotion and tears and, and people crying. It's a great moment when someone has character to step up and do the right thing at the right time. It's emotional. You're proud. Be associated with those kids. That's the first home run of the season for number eight, Sarah Tikolsky. That is, you know, I I made my goal. I hit a home run, and um, yeah, it's my last at bat of my career. But I, you know, made my goal, so I'm proud of myself. Mallory Holtman, Liz Wallace, and the Central Washington team lost the game that day, 4-2. to two. Sartukalski lost the rest of her season and her career to a knee injury. But for the spirit of sportsmanship, a greater victory, made on a long trot around the bases, a trip that truly touched them all. I have a lot of respect for her and put her in high regards, um, her and her teammates. And, you know, I can't thank her enough. <clears throat> you won't believe how much, um, how much time I spent thinking about that and praying about that, whether to show you that video or not. But I show you that video because we're talking about Emmanuel. And every single one of us, every person in this worship center this morning, we have done our best only to fall flat of our face. And when we have fallen flat of our face, and, we, and we, there's no one else that can come along and help us. We're stuck we're down. We, we need someone that, that, that can come along and, and, and catch us in our sin. Catch us in, in, in our fallen state. See, when, 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 as people, I'm not talking softball now. I'm not, I'm not talking sports. I'm talking life. When in life, when we stumble and fall, when we make mistakes, when we get called in sin... So many times that spirit of unworthiness comes over us. To, and, and, and what happens? It becomes a downward spiral rather than just confess our sin and ask God to, to forgive us and to move on. We get caught up into something and it leads to something worse and worse and worse. And the next thing you know, we are in a full-blown mess. See, that's why Jesus Christ came. Now watch. I want you to turn with me, and I, turn in your Bible, and I want you to look at Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 14, the Bible says this, Seeing then 
that we have a great high priest. And as, as, as the writer of Hebrews is writing to those Jewish people, they understand, they are well aware of the high priest and, and what the high priest does and how on that day of atonement, how they, the, he goes into the place of the most, the most holy place and how he goes in there and he makes sacrifice and how he, he atones for their sin. How this high priest, the Old Testament high priest, he stood in the gap before the people before their God, they were aware of, 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 of his, what he did. The high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but on all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Do you see what the Bible is teaching here? That Jesus Christ came. He came to stand in the gap as a high priest for me before God. He came and this high priest, this Jesus, this Emmanuel was tempted on all points just like we are. Jesus was walked through it just like we had to walk through it. Yet he knew no sin. Let us therefore, this is the verse I quote every time before I pray. There's times in my each uh, week when I just actually bow my knees and, and call out to God. But this is the passage that runs through my mind. Thinking about Jesus Christ coming to earth, thinking about him being tempted and going through all the stuff he did. Let us therefore come boldly. Let us come with confidence to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When, when theologians talk about this passage, uh, verse number 15, this falls under in the textbook. It follows under the, the theological textbook of, of incarnation. This actually talks about God becoming a man. This actually talks about the incarnation. God became a man in the form of Jesus Christ. And you know what? I really, really believe that. You know, I told you last week that I love Christmas. And this is why I love Christmas. Because I really believe that God came to earth in the form of man. I believe in Genesis chapter number 3 that Adam and Eve, they were in this Garden of Eden. They were in this perfect place. I believe they sinned against God. I believe that sin caused God to have to separate himself. But before God took Adam and Eve, took them out of the garden, you know what he did? He made them a promise in verse number 15. He promised them a Savior. And all through the Old Testament particularly the book of Isaiah. All through the Old Testament, there is prophecy about the coming Messiah, about the Christ child, about this one that's going to be born of a virgin. And, and God became a man in the form of Jesus Christ. The reason God became a man was so that he could understand what it means to be human. Jesus was fully God. Jesus was fully human. Jesus Christ, think about this. Jesus Christ spoke with an accent. But when he spoke, all of heaven listened. He was God. 
No wonder people listened to him when he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Listen. People say that the moon controls the oceans. Jesus Christ controls the moon. And this Jesus, he, he did what? He became a baby. Jesus had to have his diaper changed. Jesus had teething pains. Jesus went through puberty. There was times when he was talking to his mother Mary and his voice was... Jesus, he was... He probably had acne. I wonder, I just wonder, was there a girl at the Nazareth Middle School that broke his heart? I believe with all my heart when Hebrews chapter number 4 talks about he was tempted and hurt. And I believe he went through all the stuff that we go through. Let me tell you what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. It says this in Colossians chapter number 1 verse number 19. The Bible says this. It pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. All the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus Christ bodily. He was fully God. He was fully man, the star maker, for a time built cabinets in Nazareth. Listen to this song. There's someone with a heartache. They face the season, the happy greetings with no joy in this holiday for all the broken here in this moment. Emmanuel, our God is with us. Yes, He is with us still. Emmanuel. 
God left us and He never will. Emmanuel, 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 our God is with us. Yes, He is with us still. Emmanuel, He has not left us, and He never will. Emmanuel, He has not left us, and he never will. Emmanuel. Have you ever felt like the softball player, Miss Sarah? Have you ever felt like that you were down for the count? Think about Jesus and think about his ministry. I'm talking about Emmanuel, God with us. As, as you study his ministry and as you w- watch him walk from Bethlehem to Calvary, look at the people he came in contact with. There was a time when children, little children came to Jesus and his disciples ran them off. You know what? In those days, children weren't worth very much. People didn't love them. But Jesus said, bring those children to me. Do you know that Jesus took time from his very, very busy ministry to go and to sit down beside a whale in the heat of a day and wait for a hurting woman. Do you know that Jesus Christ actually, Emmanuel, God with us, do you know that this God actually approached a man by the name of Legion? Matthew chapter number 8 is one of my favorite portions of Scripture. When Jesus had been preaching on the mountain, it was early in his ministry, and he had preached, and they came off the mountain, and he had this big following, and people said, Never a man spake like this man spake. And then came a leper. And the Bible says, in the original language, the Bible says that the leper approached. Lepers didn't approach. The one who hears your prayers understands your pain. I, I want to say that again, okay? Because that, that, when the Lord spoke that to me, that ministered to me. The one who hears your prayers understands your pain. Now, if you go back to Hebrews chapter number 4, and as you think about that passage of Scripture, where the Bible says that let us therefore come boldly, come with confidence to the throne of what? 
that we may obtain mercy and grace. See, this is a promise. You know, I told you two weeks ago, I'm not preaching on the promises of God anymore. But you know what? This is a promise of God. This is a promise to me as his child. If, if I will come to him. Now, what if I'm spiritually speaking, what if I'm right at the foot of the cross, then I can come to him and I can find mercy and grace to help me in my time of need. What if I'm his child? What if I'm away from him? What if I'm doing and acting and behaving in a way that I ought not behave? I can still, as his child, boldly, with confidence, come into his throne room, come to his the, the, this place of grace. He can come there and I can expect to find mercy and grace to help me in my time of need. Why? Because God became Emmanuel because of this incarnation of Jesus Christ, because he came, because he walked among men, because Jesus Christ was tempted on all points as we are, yet he knew no sin. See, people will say this. They will say, well, how can Jesus understand us? How can, how can he be uh, the, the person who stands in the gap for He don't understand he never sinned. But let me tell you something. He had the opportunity to. He was tempted. Now, to be tempted is not a sin. But he was tempted on all points as we are. So he knows what it's like to be tempted. Then Jesus Christ volunteered to suffer the consequences of sin. So what do you say? I'm saying that he was tempted. Tempted in every way, yet he never sinned. Are you saying that when he died on the cross, he was spotless, he was sinless, that he was perfect? Yes, I am. I'm saying that he knew no sin. And he that knew no sin volunteered to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, world religions don't teach you that. World religions teach you that you need to behave a certain way. And if I behave better than you behave, that means that I have a better standing with my God than you do. But you know what? That's not scriptural. As a matter of fact, you can't find that written anywhere. You can't find it in the Bible. You can't find it in the Koran. You can't find it in... God has not laid out a, 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 a standard. He hasn't given us a plumb line. You be this good and you're going to go to heaven. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. All the standard he gives us is Jesus Christ himself. And our standard, he became sin so that we might know the righteousness of God. Why is it important that we look at Emmanuel? If God had sent just a man to redeem us, he could have understood us, but he couldn't save us. He would have been a sinner just like us. If he was all God, he could save us, but he couldn't relate to us. Had Jesus Christ just came to earth as God, he would have been worthy to go die for our sins, but he wouldn't know about how it is to be a human. He wouldn't know about temptation. So, in Jesus Christ, we have the perfect, perfect sacrifice for our sin. A man that was fully man and a God that was fully God. Was Jesus Christ God or was he man? Yes. 
He was fully God and he was fully man. I know that that in my preaching, my my love for sports, it comes out probably a little bit too much. But but think about this. Think about we have a, a gathering of Main Streeters. And we're all going to meet over in the gymnasium, over in the Family Life Center, and we're going to play some basketball. Pastor Wayne's there, and he's got his tank top on. He's warming up. Man runs on the floor. Here comes Gary Bates, and here we're all we're all out there. Here's here comes Big Dave out there, and his speedos, and he's shooting. And we're warming up, and we're getting we're getting. Now all of a sudden, all these guys are out here, and we're warming up, and we're getting ready to have a game. And then let's say LeBron James walks into the gym. I'll ask you a question. Y'all say no. Do you think pastor can take him? See, that, that, that's, that's the only analogy that I can think of. When Emmanuel stood on the bow of the boat... And said, peace be still. Who is this guy? When the little girl, the little 12-year-old girl, you remember Jairus' daughter? When she was dead. And people were wailing around her. And Jesus told her to arise. They had to think, who is this guy? Roll the stone away. No, don't roll the stone away. He's been dead four days. And by now he stinks. And as the stone was rolled away, all those people stood and watched Emmanuel. Say, Lazarus, come forth. I don't know who the old preacher was that said this, but all of us preachers have quoted him. Had he not called for Lazarus, had he just said, come forth, can you believe that God would send himself? You may say, yes, I can believe that. Well, then let's take it a step farther. Can you believe that God would send himself for you? For me. For you. See, this really changes the way you think. This changes the way you pray. This changes the way you... When you you settle it in your heart that Jesus Christ died for me. He died for the world. And that's an awesome thought. But it goes way beyond that when I discover that he died for me. Why? Because I was just like the little softball player. I'd give my best effort. And I fell flat on my face. And he came and he picked me up. And he redeemed me. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your word. 
And we thank you that this is not a Christmas story. We thank you that Christmas is a real historical event. And the purpose of Christmas is to send a person with a promise to redeem the lost. Jesus didn't come seeking them that were healthy. He came seeking those of us that were sick. This morning, Lord, I pray for every person in the room at this Christmas season. Maybe they're carrying a heavy load. Maybe they're walking through a lot of stuff. I would just pray this morning that they could lay it all on Emmanuel. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand. Go ahead and say it. I know you're thinking. Go ahead and say it. Praise the Lord. Man, I tell you what. I'm going on record to say there's not a better choir in the Southern Baptist Convention than Main Street Church. Turn with me in your copy of the Word of God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter number 1. Now I'll read to you just in a moment when someone brings me my glasses. There you go. There you go. Hey. Matthew chapter number 1. Emmanuel, God with us. All through the Old Testament, they looked for and they prophesied about and they were expecting a Redeemer. All through the Old Testament, I think the book of Numbers, a man by the name of Balaam prophesied about a star. Even in the book of Daniel, they talked about the star, and they were watching for that, um, uh, that star. And, and on that night, hundreds of years later, the, the star appeared, and the Magi came. But before that, in Matthew chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says this in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that thing which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she shall bring forth a son, and she will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they, will, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated 
is God with us. The name Emmanuel, God with us, implies Jesus' deity. The name Emmanuel implies that, 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 that Mary's virgin-born son would be God himself living among the people. And every time I think about God living among the people, I think about the series of sermons I preached to you last Christmas, the series called A God in a Bod, How Odd. And I was thinking about how, how God made himself, through Jesus Christ, made himself of no reputation, he, he, he left the friendly confines of heaven where angels are shouting, Holy, holy, holy. He shouted this, and he came and he lived among men. In this life, we have struggles. This room is filled with people who are going through all kinds of struggles, heartaches, pains. The Bible teaches us that every last one of us falls short in morality, honesty, and integrity. Now, with that in mind, I want you to watch. Watch this video. In a small town in the middle of Washington State, on a field inside a chain-linked fence... In a game fewer than a hundred people saw. A home run memorable not for the distance it traveled, or the game it decided, but for the meaning it carried. The last Saturday in April, the second game of a softball doubleheader between Central Washington and Western Oregon. Well, we were both neck and neck fighting for the conference championship. As a senior, this was Sarah Tukolsky's last chance to win a championship. She'd never hit a home run before, not in college, not in her life. A 5-2, I'm not very tall. Um, I, I'm more a line drive hitter. I don't hit for power. But in the top of the second inning, with two runners on, on the second pitch, that changed. that pitch and it just went <laughs> and we're just cheering and the runners are cheering us around the base to head to home and then I'm going where Sarah in her excitement Tukolsky failed to touch first base so she quickly turned back her pivoting like just didn't pivot with her and I heard her kind of yell and she just dropped to the ground and I was like oh no just fell immediately and was in a lot of pain. Just, you know, I tried to keep my legs straight, but I was in so much pain that I couldn't really keep still. Tukolsky, with a torn ACL, crawled back to first base. She was a long way from reaching home plate and keeping her first and only home run. When she got back to first base, she just, she laid there and she hugged on to first base and then... I, at that time, I was staring at the base, and I go, what on earth are we going to do? And I turned the umpire standing right next to me. I said, what is the ruling if I put somebody in for Sarah? 
He said it'll be a two-run single. If anybody would have on her team would have helped uh, Sarah, she would have been a called called out. That was the problem. None of Tukolsky's teammates were allowed to touch her. That's when Central Washington's Mallory Holtman, a player with more home runs than any other in conference history, a player for the opposing team, spoke up. I went to the home plate umpire and asked if we could pick her up and carry her, and he looked at me a little strange. And the umpire went and said, yes, you can do that. I'm still standing there in shock. I don't, I said, thank you so much. We asked her, she's like, is it okay if we pick you up and carry you around the bases? And I say yes, and you know, and say thank you. And she says, you hit the ball over the fence, you deserve it. For that reason only, because she deserved it, Holtman and Wallace began to carry the injured Tukolsky stopping to touch her left foot on each base as the three made their way around the diamond. We actually started laughing because we were just wondering what this would look like to all the people in the stands. When I looked up, I, I didn't see, you know, giant like smiles and screams. I saw emotion and tears and, and people crying. It's a great moment when someone has character to step up and do the right thing at the right time. It's emotional. You're proud. Be associated with those kids. That's the first home run of the season for number eight, Sarah Tikolsky. Because you know, I I made my goal. I hit a home run, and um, yeah, it's my last at bat of my career. But I, you know, made my goal. So I'm proud of myself. Mallory Holtman, Liz Wallace, and the Central Washington team lost the game that day, four to two. Sartukalski lost the rest of her season and her career to a knee injury. But for the spirit of sportsmanship, a greater victory made on a long trot around the bases, a trip that truly touched them all. I have a lot of respect for her and put her in high regards, um, her and her teammates. And, you know, I can't thank her enough. For several weeks now, I've been preaching through a series that I've called Standing on the Promises of God. And as I was studying and preparing, I came across this promise of Emmanuel. And as I was preparing to uh, preach through this series, I, I knew that I was going to save this promise of Emmanuel. I knew I was going to save it to this very Sunday. And that video that I found, that... that uh, I thought that tells our story so well because every single one of us are just like Sarah. We have given our best effort. We have done everything that we know to do only to fall flat of our face. We all have come short. 
of God's standard. See, we, Wikipedia tells you that there's 9,990 different types of world religions. And in that 9,990 different types, it talks about Christianity, and Christianity is, is, is a world religion. I disagree. I say there are 9,989 different types of world religion because all 9,998 different types of world religions say the same thing. They say that you be good, you be well-behaved, you do the right thing, and then you will be you'll be in good standing with God. This is what Christianity teaches. It teaches us it's not based on what we have done. It's based on what Jesus Christ has done. And because of Jesus Christ and what he has done at Calvary, although we have done like Sarah, we have stumbled and we have failed, we have come short of what God would have us to be. God has sent Emmanuel. God has sent his only son to the earth to pick us up, to redeem us, to restore us. So praise the Lord for the promise of Emmanuel. Look what the Bible says. This passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter number four, I wish you would turn there. Hebrews chapter number four is a great promise from God. Beginning in Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 14, the Bible says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, and as the writer of Hebrews is writing to the nation of the Hebrew people, and when he talks about a high priest, they get it. They understand. They understand the Old Testament sacrificial system that when they need to pray, when they need to confess their sin, when they need to go before God, they had to find another man. They had to find someone that could go to the altar, that could go to the Lord before them, for them. But the Bible says this, that we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and grace to help us during our time of need. Every time I pray. Sometimes in my office upstairs, I just love to go get on my knees before my God and just, just sometimes I just get on my knees. But every time I feel the Holy Spirit asking me to bow and pray, in my mind, I've told you this before, I can see myself approaching a great throne room. And as I approach the throne room, I can watch those doors open. And now I can enter into that room. And I just see in this throne room one piece of furniture. I can see Jesus sitting on that throne. And because I am his child, I have the ability to approach that throne boldly with confidence. Now, the promise teaches us this. If we come to the throne boldly, the Bible says that we can expect... To obtain mercy and grace in our time of need. What a great promise. And the reason that we have this promise, the reason that we are able to approach this throne is because God became a man. God became a man in the form of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? I believe with all my heart in Genesis chapter number 3, 
Adam and Eve was in the Garden of Eden, and I believe they sinned against God. And before they were expelled from the garden, just a few verses after they had done exactly what God had told them not to do, I believe with all my heart that God showed up and he spoke to the servant and he told them in Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 15, just a few verses after they had sinned and separated themselves from God, he promised them a Messiah. He gave them the gospel. He gave them the good news. You have done this. You have separated yourself from me. But there is coming one that is going to redeem you and all through the old testament particularly the book of isaiah the book of isaiah chapter 7 verse number 14 talks about a virgin who will be born with child and you shall call his name emmanuel and his name will be a great wonderful counselor and all through the old testament we have these prophecies of jesus christ the reason god became a man was so that God could understand what it means to be human. Jesus was fully God. Jesus was fully human. Jesus Christ was virgin born, or was virgin conceived, but naturally born. Jesus Christ spoke with an accent. Yet when he spoke, all of heaven listened Jesus the God man stood on the bow of a boat one time when the storm came and the winds blow and the rains came down and Jesus stood there and said peace be still and the Bible says that the the the, the ocean became slick as glass there was a time when Jesus spoke to a little teenage boy, a dead teenage boy in Luke chapter number 7, in the city of Nain, they were carrying his coffin. Jesus laid his hand on that coffin, and the Bible says, he that was dead set up. And there was another time when Jesus said, roll away the stone, and the people said, no, don't do that, don't roll away the stone. He's been dead for four days, don't do that. And Jesus said in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus, come forth. Jesus was, was a, a God, but he was also man. Jesus was born wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. You know what? Jesus had a messy diaper. For all you people working in the nursery, there's your encouragement. Jesus had a messy diaper. Jesus was a teenager. Jesus went through puberty. There was time when he would talk to his mother and his voice would go up and just... He had acne. Jesus, I wonder, I just, this is not written in the Bible, but I just wonder if there was a little girl at Nazareth Middle School that broke his heart. Because Jesus walked through everything that we walk through. The Bible says this about Jesus in Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 19. It says this, It pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell in Jesus Christ. The fullness of God dwelled in Jesus. The star maker from, for a time, built cabinets in Nazareth. There was a time when Jesus Christ, who made the stars, 
became a carpenter. Listen to this song. study Jesus and his ministry, you'll discover that, that, that Jesus seemed always to find his way into the life of hurting people. Jesus, the God in the bot, he was always, 
always among people, and he was raising their dignity. In the, in the Bible, there were children. And, and children in the days of Jesus, they weren't very highly thought of. And there was a time when Jesus was doing ministry and, and the, the children came and, and they, they, they were there in the presence of Jesus and the disciples ran them off and Jesus said, no, don't do that. Although the world didn't think very much of children, Jesus loved them. There was a time when, when Jesus went and in the heat of the day outside the city of Samaria, Jesus went there and he sat down by a well. And he waited for a lady, an outcast. The world didn't think very much of her, but Jesus loved her. And I love the passage where, where Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, he actually went to the graveyard. He went seeking a man named Legion. There was a time when he was at the height of his ministry. and He was there in, in the temple area and, and he was preaching. And he was teaching and the crowd was built big. And they brought to him one who had been caught in the very act of adultery. He was, he was always around hurting people. And now that he has descended back to the Father, he has sent his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he does the exact same thing. He ministers to, holy, uh, to, to hurting people. The one who hears your prayers understands your pain. Amen. Emmanuel, God with us. I love the, I wish I could draw this. I wish I could paint this. I wish you could see it as I see this picture of this throne room and this one, bit, one piece of furniture in the throne room and Jesus sitting on the throne. And as he sits there on the throne and I go before him boldly, I go before him with confidence and I bow my knee before him, he knows exactly what I'm going through. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted on all points as we are, yet without sin. And people will say this. They'll say, if he was sinless, how could he understand sin? How could, how could he know what I'm going through if he were sinless? First of all, beyond a shadow of a doubt, he was sinless. He also faced every temptation that we face, yet he was without sin. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that Jesus walked through life just like me, just like you, faced all the world had to offer, and he never committed one sin. And people say, well, how could, how could this sinless person know what it's like to sin? Well, here's why. Because although he never sinned, although he never committed one, he volunteered to suffer the consequences of sin. So what are you... Let me put this in a nutshell. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. His father was the Holy Spirit. He was born like every other baby. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he grew up among people. Thirty-three and a half years on this earth, he was perfect, sinless, spotless. And then they took him to the cross... And they nailed him to the cross. And there on the cross, this perfect, sinless, spotless man 
suffered as though he had committed every sin in the world. Never committing one, he suffered as though he had, he had done them all. He that knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's why he understands us. Listen to me this morning. Your parents may not understand you. Your children may not understand you. Your pastor may not get you. But listen, regardless of what you're going through this morning, God gets you. God understands. God knows you. And so many times in our lives, we, 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 we sin and we mess up and we turn our backs on God. We feel the guilt, the shame, the suffering. And what we do is we walk away from God. We separate ourselves from God. But God never leaves us. God never gets mad at us. He is standing and waiting for us to, to come back to Him. How can He be that way? He can be that way because He became a man. He became Emmanuel and he, and he came to us. If God had just sent a man to redeem us, He could understand us, but He couldn't save us. If, if, he, if it was a real good man, he would know what it's like to have our troubles and our heartaches and our struggles, but he couldn't die for us because he would be sinful just like us. If God, if he was all God, he could save us, but he couldn't relate to us. If Jesus Christ had just descended from heaven and come to earth fully God and had never made himself a, a human being, he would be perfect. He would be sinless. He would be worthy to die for our sins. But he wasn't know what it was like to walk among men. So God in his infinite wisdom made this man Jesus. And in Jesus Christ, he put the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In his perfect plan, God in the form of man came to redeem us. Therefore, he gets us. He understands us. He understands addiction. He understands guilt. He understands shame. He knows what this is like. And you know what? I'm so glad that during the Christmas season, we stop and we revisit this promise of Emmanuel, that God became a man. When God looked over the balcony of heaven, he saw our greatest need. Max Licato said something like this, if our greatest need had been entertainment, he would have sent us an actor. Had our greatest need been education, he would have sent us a teacher. Had our greatest need been healing, he would have sent us a physician. But our greatest need was sin, so he sent us a Savior. Praise the Lord. You know what? This morning, as we get ready to leave and as we get ready to go back out into the real world, we need to leave here with this promise. 
We need to leave here knowing that God has sent his only son. He became just like us, and he has come to redeem us, and he has come to walk with us and to go through us through every storm of life. At Christmas, all of our storms, all of our problems get magnified. Say amen. Your hurts that you walk with every, every day of the year, seems like in, at Christmas time those hurts are on steroids. That's why the message, not the story, not the Christmas story, but the Christmas message, the promise of Emmanuel is so important. Will you bow your heads with me, please? As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want you to, to think this, and then I'm going to ask you to say it. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Entering into our time of invitation, think this. God gets me. God understands me. Now, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to say, God gets me. God understands me. One, two, three. God gets me. God. Lord, thank you so much for coming up with a plan to redeem us, to save us. Thank you for the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Thank you also that your Son, Jesus, in his humanity, he understands my hurts. He understands my struggles. He understands that, that as I was running the bases, that I fail. And I needed someone to pick me up and carry me home. And that's why he came. Lord, thank you for the promise of Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.